book four chapter three of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah grand book four chapter three there is human nature both literally and figuratively speaking in wagner's method of setting a character to a tune of its own for although our lives can hardly be said to order themselves to one consistent measure our days often do for months now when the orb of day departs schubert's song had accompanied the tenor it had soothed him it had irritated him it had expressed passionate longing it had been the utterance of despairing apathy it had marked the vainous regret and it had suggested hope it had wearied him it had comforted him but it had never left him that saturday morning however when he awoke his mind was set to another measure schubert's song had gone as it had come without conscious effort on his part but it had left a substitute for the tenor as he lingered over his morning's work found himself continually murmuring whole phrases of a chant which he had heard once upon a time when he was staying in an old town in france it was the litany of the blessed virgin sung at benediction by some unseen singer with a wonderfully sympathetic mezzo-soprano voice the tenor had gone again and again to hear her in this chant the music of which suited her as well as it did the theme the words of adoration sancta maria sancta dei genetrix sancta virgo virginum were uttered evenly on notes that admitted of the tenderest expression while the supplication the ora pro nobis rose to the full compass of the singer's voice and was delivered in tones of passionate entreaty at the end in the agnus dei the music changed dropping into the minor with impressive effect the effect of earnestness wearied by effort but still unshaken and it was this final appeal in all its pathetic beauty that now recurred to the tenor he had not thought of the chant for years nor had there been anything apparently to recall it now but all that day it possessed him and at intervals he caught himself involuntarily singing it aloud augustei quitolis pacata mundi parce nobis domine augustei quitolis pacata mimdi ex aude nos domine augustei quitolis pacata mundi miserere nobis he sang it while he was dressing he whistled it with his hands in his pockets while he walked up and down the room waiting for his breakfast and at breakfast with the newspaper before him he hummed it to himself steadily he began it again as he crossed the road to enter the cathedral for the early morning service he continued it while he was putting on his surplice he marched to it in the procession and he rapped it out on his music-book when he had taken his seat in the choir he opened the book to study his solo for the afternoon service but before he was halfway through his mind was busily rendering not the music before him but augustei quitolis peccata mundi parce nobis domini the haunting strain had become an intolerable nuisance by this time 
and he made a vigorous effort to get rid of it by giving his mind to what was going on around him and interesting himself in the people as they entered and took their places in stall and choir and canon's pew chancel and transept being saturday there was a good attendance even at this early service strangers from a distance came in to see the cathedral and people in the place came in to see the strangers so that there was plenty to observe especially for one who unlike the tenor was a little behind the scenes or had peeped beneath the surface and beheld the various incidents of the life dramas which were constantly being enacted in the sacred edifice itself from service to service in the midst and with the help of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs prayers and sermons under the dean's very nose and often in the presence of the bishop the world at worship is a worldly sight and there was a certain appropriateness in the tenor's miserere but he failed to apply it although it kept him company to the end and was still faithful when he sallied forth from the gloom of the cathedral and went on his way with the rest in the sunshine and freshness of a glad new day as the time for the afternoon service approached the people began again to flock to the cathedral but in crowds now for it had been rumoured that the tenor was to sing the choir from their lateral position on either side of the aisle were able to look up and down the church having on the one hand and opposite the distinguished visitors who were accommodated with seats in the stalls the canons and dean's pews and on the other the officiating clergy and the congregation generally it was an advantageous position for those who came to observe but the tenor had not hitherto been one of these the music when it was interesting absorbed him and when it was dull the monotony soothed him so that he noticed nothing it had done so this afternoon during all the first part of the service he neither saw nor heard but did his work mechanically like one in a dream and in every pause of it the old chant recurred to him filling his heart with a separate undercurrent of solemn supplication now in french agnu de du aque affaisse la peches du monde as petite de nous and now in latin augustae quitolis peccate monde miserare nobis the dean preached a sermonette on saturday afternoon which he took the precaution to deliver before the anthem so that the people might still have something to look forward to and keep their seats the sermonette over the organ played the opening bars of the tenor solo and the choir stood up while he waited for the note the tenor absently fixed his eyes on a lady in the canon's pew the spell of the old chant was still upon him and instead of preparing his mind for his task he let it murmur on augustei quitolus peccata mundi parce nobis domine while a rapt silence fell upon the congregation not a ribbon rustled the expression of expectation was most intense one would scarcely have expected the tenor to take up the note at the right moment his mind being preoccupied by another strain but he did the lady in the canon's pew held the music of the anthem before her and had been following that but when the first clear notes of the tenor's voice rang through the building she looked up as if in surprise their eyes met 
and with a shock the tenor awoke from his lethargy faltered for a moment and then stopped the organ played on however and he quickly recovered but the pause had been quite perceptible and the people were amazed it was the first time that such a thing had happened with their tenor which made it a matter of moment and the wonder of it grew parties being formed the one to excuse the slip and call it nothing the other to blame him for his carelessness as people who never disappointed us are blamed with bitterness if for once by chance they err that night the tenor's restlessness grew to a head he was engaged upon a piece of work he wished to finish but he could not settle to it and after making an ineffectual effort to concentrate his attention upon it he took up his hat and strolled out it was a lovely moonlight night the line of trees in the close were in flower and their sweetness was overpowering he did not stay there however but wandered out into the city with his hat pushed back from his forehead and his hands in his pockets the gas was not lighted in the streets as the moon was near the full and beneath her rays all common objects however obtrusively vulgar by daylight were refined into beauty for the moment pater de Chris deus miserere nobis fili redemptor mundi deus miserere nobis spiritus sancti deus miserere nobis sancte trinitas unus deus miserere nobis the tenor sang softly to himself as he slowly pursued his way he had some sort of a vague idea that he would like to go and look at the quaint old market-place by moonlight and when he reached it he stopped at the corner interrupting his song to gaze in artistic appreciation at the silent scene before him at the heavy masses of shade interspersed with intervals of mellow moonlight and the angles of roof and spire and ornament cut clean as cameos against the dark and radiant clarity of the beautiful night sky the market-place was an irregular square picturesquely enclosed by tall houses of different heights and most original construction among them the east end of a church and part of a public building of ancient date were crowded in without incongruous effect however the moonlight crisp cool and clear having melted hue and form of all alike into one harmonious whole to the charm of which even the covered stalls used in the day's dealings and now packed in the middle of the square and the deserted footways added something a tall slender lad of sixteen or seventeen was standing on the edge of the pathway just in front of the tenor he was the only other person about and on that account the tenor had looked at him a second time as he did so a young woman came suddenly round the corner and accosted the boy quel espo she exclaimed laying her hand on his arm and smiling up into his face admiringly the boy stepped back to avoid her with an unmistakable gesture of disgust and in doing so he accidentally stumbled up against the tenor he turned round and apologized confusedly the tenor raised his hat and answered courteously they were standing together side by side now and remained so for some seconds silently surveying the scene and then the tenor all unconsciously began again to sing 
sancta maria he entreated sancta de genetrix sancta virgo virginum ora pro nobis the girl had been wandering off again but at the first note of the supplication she stopped a chord of memory stirred she knew the words she knew the tune she had sung them both herself often and often at home in france she was a child of mary then and now as the tenor finished the last note of the phrase and paused she clasped her hands convulsively and gasped oh mon dieu mon dieu es petite de moi her half inarticulate cry did not reach the tenor and the boy neither had they observed her distress for just at that moment the city clock struck one and both had raised their heads involuntarily in expectation of the chime and presently out upon the night it rolled a great wave of sound swelling and spreading muffled by distance somewhat but still distinctly sweet and insistent do you believe it said the boy glancing toward the girl and repeating the gesture of disgust with which he had shrunk from her when she accosted him the tenor lifted his hat and brushed his hand back over his hair do i believe it in spite of that you would say he answered considering the girl with quiet eyes yes i believe it he declared in spite of that which has puzzled older heads than yours with which he turned to retrace his steps taking up the litany of the blessed virgin once more as he went the supplication agus dei quitolus peccata mundi miserari nobis being audible long after he was out of sight the boy remained as he had left him for some time apparently lost in thought and the girl still stood a little way off in a dejected attitude her hands clasped before her her eyes fixed on the ground she looked ill and spiritless the boy glancing at her carelessly wondered at the intent expression of her face he did not perceive that she was praying but she was the midnight stillness deepened about those two there was not another living creature to be seen the irregular old buildings on every side looked ruinous in the shadowy moonlight and the whole market-place presented to the boy a picture of desolation which chilled him he was about to turn away with a last cursory glance at the other solitary figure when something suddenly occurred which arrested his attention it seemed to startle him too for he sprang back with prompt agility into a dark doorway behind him from whence he watched what followed with the keenest interest being careful however to conceal himself the while he had not felt any movement of pity or kindly compassion for the girl perfect indifference had succeeded the first sensation of repugnance he would have left her there to any fate that might await her and would have expected all right-minded people to do the same it was therefore with unmitigated astonishment that he beheld the scene which was now being enacted before him they were no longer alone a tall and graceful lady of most dignified bearing with a countenance of peculiar serenity and sweetness had approached from the opposite direction 
and was standing beside the girl speaking to her evidently but the boy was too far off to hear what was said he could see however that the girl's whole attitude had changed she was no longer dejected but eager and she gazed in the lady's face as she listened to her words with an expression of admiration and wonder one had almost said of adoration upon her own as though it were a heavenly visitant who had hailed her the lady as she spoke pointed to a street opposite and the girl cast a quick glance in that direction she seemed to be measuring a distance she was impatient to traverse and moved a step forward at the same time uttering some short sentence with rapid gesticulation the pantomime was perfectly intelligible to the boy who understood that she was feverishly anxious to carry out some intention on the instant the lady seemed to hesitate then laying her beautiful white ungloved hand on the girl's shoulder and looking into her face she spoke again earnestly the girl answered with passionate protestations and then the lady smiled satisfied apparently and led the way in the direction to which she had pointed the girl following in haste her hat had fallen back her hair was loosened her countenance beamed with enthusiasm as the boy observed he was stealing softly after them skipping from shadow to shadow in great enjoyment of the whole adventure the lady took the girl to a long low rambling house beside a church at the door of which she knocked it was opened immediately by a singularly venerable-looking old man evidently a priest with a fine though rugged face instinct with zeal and benevolence he had his hat in his hand and was just coming out but when he saw who had knocked he stopped short and bowed deferentially the girl sank down upon the doorstep as if exhausted i have brought marie cruchot home father the lady said ah my daughter is that you we have been expecting you for many days the old man exclaimed in french taking the girl's hand and raising her gently as he spoke i have prayed for you day and night without ceasing and only just now as i passed the convent i went to ask the night portress for tidings of our wandering sheep and specially mentioned you but enter the good sisters are waiting for you and will welcome you with joy one of two sisters of charity who were standing behind the priest now came forward and kissed the girl the old man raised his hat and looking up into the clear depths of the quiet sky murmured a blessing and went his way and then the door was closed <laughs> said the boy who was lurking up an entry opposite so that is what they do at night is it and that is the young person who sold her sister louise to mosley monteith now i am beginning to know the world and what an extraordinary old world it is to be sure one half seems to be always kept busy mending the mischief the other half has made he peeped cautiously out of the entry looking for the lady but she had disappeared and night and silence reigned supreme End of book four, chapter three.